my hopes and dreams are to show people that they can just be who they are and that they don't need the approval of others or the approval of even even their family members they just need to be who they are you just need to be you that's my hope and dream for everyone out there and for trans youth and in the queer community on a on a nationwide scale on a global scale to just understand that you are you and nothing else nobody else can change that Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Today on the Vermont Conversation, the transgender Vermont high school student who was the target of a transphobic hate campaign speaks publicly for the first time. In late September, Vermont television station WCAX aired a news story about a transgender student at Randolph Union High School who is a member of the girls' volleyball team. WCAX quoted a single student who objected to the presence of her transgender teammate in the girls' locker room. The story was immediately picked up by right-wing media outlets including Fox News, the New York Post, and the British tabloid The Daily Mail. This unleashed a firestorm of transphobic hate messages to the student, her family, and the school. The school district website was hacked and overrun with transphobic messages and was forced offline. The trans student temporarily left school in fear for her safety. The reality is that the trans student was being bullied, according to her mother. She told Vermont Digger that the one-sided news story, quote, spread a wildfire of bigotry and hatred. WCAX soon removed this story from its website. This incident comes as transgender people are under unprecedented attack in numerous Republican-led states. Four states have enacted a partial or total ban on gender-affirming care, and 20 others are trying to pass such bills. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has declared that parents and health care providers who provide gender-affirming care to trans youth can be investigated for child abuse. Some 85% of trans or non-binary youth say their mental health has been negatively affected by these laws, and more than half have considered suicide in the past year, according to The Trevor Project, an LGBT advocacy group. Today on the Vermont Conversation, the 14-year-old Randolph Union High School freshman tells her story in her own words. She goes by the name Rabbit in this interview. The Vermont Conversation and Vermont Digger are protecting the student's privacy out of concern for her safety. Later in the program, we will be joined by Dana Kaplan, Executive Director of Outright Vermont, an LGBTQ advocacy and support organization. We'll also be joined by another trans high school student named Charlie. I began by asking Rabbit why she decided to speak publicly. Having my story be heard by other trans youth in the community and parents in the community and specifically parents of trans kids, of course, and just the Vermont community as a whole, just being able to have my voice be heard by by however many people listen to this podcast and just have that be more than the local scale voice that I've been able to do. I think that's... Um, that is definitely an opportunity that I'm going to take. Has it felt prior to this like it wasn't really safe for you to speak up? Yeah, um, not exactly not safe for me to speak up and speak out, but not exactly safe for me in general. I've, um, ever since what happened um, uh, regarding uh, WCAX, Um, I haven't exactly felt the safest in my local community and in, and in Vermont in general, due to my knowledge that there are people out there that have hurt trans youth and have hurt trans people in the Vermont community and that they will do the same for me due to, um, not only just me being trans, but also my story being out there and on, um, let's just say, uh, news outlets that are seen by those hateful people. Before we get into the story that, you know, is why you're talking uh, today, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
tell us about some of the things that you're into. I have a few hobbies, I suppose. I play a lot of video games um, in my spare time when I have the chance. And I also research a lot. I've, I, uh, I just go down these research rabbit holes on sources like Wikipedia and um, that, other, that other source, that other academic source that I can, can't remember the name of for the life of me. I think it's like the Britannica whatever. Yes, I think that's what it's called. Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, the Encyclopedia Britannica. That's exactly it. Recently, I've just I've just researched like things like nuclear physics and the interactions between like atoms and chemicals and just I just like I, I enjoy science. Obviously, I really enjoy science. I really enjoy video games. I really enjoy just researching things that I like. And most of all, I absolutely cannot live without music. Music has always played a really really big role in my life um and without music i probably wouldn't be where i am today it's just one of my favorite art forms um because not only is it expressed in words with lyrics and in things like that but it's also expressed in melodies and emotions can be conveyed through like the types of instruments they use in their tracks or or like the high notes and the low notes and how how our mind perceives those as human experiences rather than just musical notes. I think music is extremely important important to who I am right now. What kind of music do you like? I listen to a lot of things. I listen to um, a lot of indie things, a lot of independent creator things like indie rock and indie pop and stuff like that because I, I enjoy supporting those creators because um, they feel a lot like me, just, you know, um, just like, I don't know, a kid or a young adult just going out there and and flourishing in the music world and even that little small following that they have, I know will probably cheer up their day just a little bit and i and i hope i can do that for some young and older musical artists out there that are less well known because i just really like supporting people that um that are like me essentially that are just people there's no higher vanity about them there's no pretentiousness there's just their love of music which is which is a lot similar to my love of music other than indie scenes i um i enjoy listening to uh, a lot of rap music um particularly a lot of uh rap music about like my my and their rather their personal experiences that i can relate to um there's this artist um that i've listened to recently there i don't exactly but they talk about i don't exactly remember their name but they talk about like having ocd which i have and like how that affects them and and they write it down in lyrics and they write it down in their melodies and the music really conveys what it feels like to have ocd and stuff like that i think that that's just really important to understanding myself and understanding people around me um and music just kind of does that for me and you also like to play volleyball. Yes, I've also I also enjoy to play enjoy playing volleyball. And is the volleyball season over now? Yes, the volleyball season is over. How'd your team do? We lost every every game. How do you feel we got, about we that? got we got creamed. And how are your spirits? How are this team's spirits? Oh, I feel fine. I mean, really I'm just playing for my love of the sport. I just, I really, I've always enjoyed volleyball. I've always enjoyed like things where I can jump and, and, and get moving um, like really quickly. I like, I like going fast, I suppose. Could you share some of your journey, your gender identity journey? Tell us that story. Yeah, for sure. So for a while, um, for a long while, I was just content with being uh, a male, being a boy. I, I enjoyed boyish things. Like I've already mentioned my love for video games, which is traditionally masculine. Um, and like, I wasn't necessarily drawn to feminine things like dresses or dolls or the color or the color pink or whatever traditionally feminine things. I just kind of was 
a boy and I enjoyed boy things, but it wasn't necessarily a big part of my identity, though my parents would um, try to make it a big part of my identity, um, but it never really was, as I mentioned. And apologies, my I'm having a bit of a brain fart right now. So for a while, I was okay with being male. I was just content with it. Um, and then I had, and then I had come across um, the word and the meaning of transgender, and I, and I came across transgender icons and like popular trans folks, um, and I realized, oh my gosh, this is an option. Like I'm able to do this. I'm able to express my gender identity um, because from then on, or from from before then I was just I was just content I was just yeah I'm boy hi I'm boy that's it that's what it was but I didn't really feel strongly towards being a boy I never really felt strongly towards it at all and so I discovered like I started thinking about it and I started thinking about it and I started thinking about it over and over and over and over and over again um and the more I thought about it, the more I realized I'm not actually all that content with being a boy. This was kind of forced upon me and I just kind of went along with it. So after a while, I started I started questioning my gender um, and that, that questioning phase happened for like two years or so. Um, and I believe when I was like 10 years old, I realized like, I don't like being a boy. There has to be another option. The only other option I can think of is being a girl. And I've, I've actually quite liked girl things. And my, my little 10 year old brain was like, I don't know. I get along with girls. I like girl things. So, I mean, why not? So I, I kind of assigned myself that gender identity and it just kind of stuck. And I hadn't come out to my parents and I hadn't come out to anyone, but my online friends. Um, and then eventually I came out to my mom, not anybody else in my family, but I eventually came out to my mom and it was just kind of discounted. She understood it and she was just, she understood it, but she wasn't exactly supportive nor non-supportive. She just kind of ignored it and that felt horrible, like for someone to ignore your identity like that. And how, um, how old were you at this point? when you? I was, I was 11, 12, hmm. probably 12. Um, and so after that, um, it just kind of, it just kind of sucked because it was like my mom, the only person that I had revealed it to, not only she already had to like lay low because she didn't want my other, um, my other family knowing, but she also just kind of ignored it generally. So eh, for a while it sucked. And then I... On the dawn of my 13th birthday or so, um, I was just like, I've had enough of this. Like, I am a girl and I will be seen as such. So I just kind of, I just kind of came out to my mom a second time. And I was like, mom, use the pronouns, use the name, like, please just do this for me. And she still ignored it. She still, like, didn't really do that um, what I wanted her to do was respect my name, my pronouns, and, and my gender identity. And um, then somewhere along my journey, 13 years old, 13 and a half or so, I don't, I don't quite remember, I moved in with now my legal, my legal guardian. I moved in with them and they were super supportive and it was a nice change of pace. They were super supportive of my gender identity. I came out to them, um, I can't remember how long ago, but I came out to them and they were like, the first thing that they did was like buy me a dress. Um, and for reference, this is kind of a funny story and kind of a sad story. Um, my mother who I had come out to um, she did not buy me a dress. The first thing that she did when discovering I was trans was show me the Rocky Horror Picture Show because of the transvestite character in that, which kind of showed her ignorance and her inability to kind of accept what I was at that point in time. 
but my guardian didn't do that and so they bought me a dress and i felt amazing there was this euphoric feeling that i hadn't gotten before um and i was like yep no this is definitely it. i am a girl i am a female like there was no possible way i can go back to being a male after discovering that this is totally exactly what i am so she bought me that dress and from then on it's just been um it's just been just this journey of support and i think that's amazing like i got on spyro i got on spironolactone um some months ago and i just recently got on estrogen patches which is amazing and my guardian has just supported me every way through this journey um which is a great change of pace from what i had experienced before with the um the kind of blatant ignoring of my past let me ask family. um you started at randolph union high school this fall Yes, and I did. You decided to join the uh, girls' volleyball team. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about that, and then tell us about what happened in the locker room that got all this attention. Alrighty. So I had joined the girls' volleyball team due to my love of volleyball. I had actually never played it before, but I just knew that I really enjoyed the sport and I really wanted to play it. So I had simply just I just joined um, and about two weeks in just skipping ahead. I mean, if you want details for the podcast due to this being an audio experience, I was getting better at volleyball during those two weeks. And I was just like, I was getting better at volleyball. I was training, I was practicing hard and everybody just kind of accepted me. Um, like all of the girls on the team just accepted me as a girl because that's how I had been always presenting to them. Um, cause they didn't know my past. They didn't know me back in fifth, fourth grade. They, they just knew me who I was now and, and who I am today. And so this, they this just kind of accepted me as a girl and they used my name, they used my pronouns and that was fine up until those two weeks in. So I had gone to the locker room because it was a game day. And the first thing I hear is like rabbit rabbit get out what are you doing here rabbit what are you doing here and these three girls had screamed at me to get out of the girls locker room which i belong in legally i am a girl i belong in the girls locker room and so they scream at me to like rabbit get out what are you doing here what are you doing here i ignore them and i go off to this little side room in the locker room where there's like two showers and um and a toilet or whatever and so i just i just changed in there because clearly they didn't want to see me they 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 hated me at that point for some reason um and so i i realized i had no idea what to wear to the game because sometimes we get all dressed up we get all dressed up nice and so i peek my head around the corner of that little side room and i say oh hey are we doing jerseys today and the first thing i hear is rabbit get out what are you doing in here shut up and and like i don't like i don't want you to see or whatever and so i retaliated at this point because this is the second time that they had been un indescribably rude to me and my gender identity and i was just like i don't care I, whatever you think I'm, whatever you think I care about, I do not care. I am meant to be in this locker room. And one of the snarky responses I got back was, yeah, well, we care. So I just moved on. I eventually got my jersey on because I didn't get an answer. So I just put it on anyway. And I walked out of the locker room. And September 28th, I believe it was the Wednesday um, I can't exactly remember. Two days after this event had happened, this event full of hatred and malice towards me and my gender identity, the WCAX article came out about me um, supposedly saying an inappropriate comment in the locker room, and one of the one of the girls, um, one of the girls had gone on the news station and had dis had essentially talked on behalf of the entire volleyball team, which was 
simply bad journalism, um, considering the volleyball team was, the volleyball team besides those three or four girls was completely supportive. Everyone in the volleyball team other than those three girls were supportive of me and my gender identity and, and understanding that I belong in that locker room and that that was their problem, those three girls' problem, having me exist in, in that space. Um, but instead, that girl had uh, spoken on behalf of the entire volleyball team and said that we were all uncomfortable and we all wanted her to leave. And um, one of the comments that she made was um, calling me a biological man. And uh, just a quick dissection of that, not a biological boy, um, considering my age, or not even a biological male, um, a biological man, which had made it seem with very precise wording, like I was some sort of 19-year-old, 18-year-old pervert in the girls' locker room, when in reality, I am a small teenager that just wanted to get my clothes changed. And so that, that precise wording and that active, horrible journalism has spiraled into this um, months-long uh, hatred of me existing and of my gender identity. And it's been extremely painful. And that, that girl and, and those, the, that girl specifically and that girl's family has put me in um, what I can only describe as indescribable uh, discomfort and basically as if I'm in hell. My life has been hell due to the hateful message that is being spread by these news outlets and the absolute disrespect of calling me a biological man and, and, and the lie, the straight up lie that is saying that I made an inappropriate comment in the locker room. So for people who don't know the story, what happened after that WCAX story ran? I know it got picked up by a lot of right-wing news outlets, Fox News, New York Post, etc. Mm -hmm. What did that mean for you, a young person in Randolph, Vermont? It meant danger. It meant me and my fellow trans youth being in more danger than they need than they ever than they ever I don't know deserve to be. I can't really describe it. I was in danger and not only me but the trans youth community of Randolph and of Vermont due to this disgraceful and defaming news article was in danger. There are people out there that have weapons and that will shoot and they will stab and they will maim trans folk just for existing on the street. My school life was definitely affected as well. People were talking about me behind my back. They were making fun of my gender identity. They were making fun of fellow trans students. And there was this aura of malice and in in absolute like despising rage behind the entire Randolph School community in that entire building because the students there were insulting other trans youth and insulting me and they were talking behind our backs. They were making fun of our gender identities, making fun of how we present ourselves. That was a school full of horrible students that were actively making their voices heard over the voices of the victims involved, not only including me, but the trans youth in that school. And it was terrifying and it remains to be. Were you personally, physically threatened? I was not physically threatened, though my mental health was not in a good state due to the level of stress um, regarding those students um, and their behavior. Did it cause you to leave school for a while? What what happened? Yes, yes. It had it had caused me so much distress and so much pain to be in that school that I had to on multiple occasions um I had to leave the leave the school building and go take a break from school 
for that day. In addition to the hate that was expressed, you also had allies step forward. I had many allies, and I one of my goals here is not to only focus on the amount of hate and stress that it caused me, but also to focus on the amazing support that I had during this period in my in during this period in my life that is continuing to this very day. I had letters sent to the school expressing their support and like filled with these crafts and these amazing messages of like love over hatred and just pretty much just like all of the support that I, that that was sent to us it was like 100 um like letters notes and crafts pretty much of just love over hate you are not alone um just like all sorts of messages of support and that was that was really helpful in like my my journey here regarding like the whole WCX article and the and the volleyball situation like that that level of support if that wasn't there I definitely would not like be able to speak about this like I'm able to because that was so unbelievably helpful and I really want to make the point that any message of support that you can give to trans youth or trans people in general and if you support them at all make it known because oh my god it helps so much to the trans community and to trans youth especially because they need that support more than ever during difficult times in their lives such as teenagehood and high school one of the people who came to your defense was the captain of the girls' volleyball team that you're a part of. And she spoke at a public meeting, one of two big public meetings that were held in Randolph. And I just want to quote uh, what she said. Uh, she said, I just want you to remember that we're children. It's one child on the receiving end of all this hate. You're saying all these things to a child who is already at high risk, who already doesn't feel accepted. This child didn't do anything to anyone, especially you adults. I was there. She was where she was supposed to be. What did that mean to you, to hear your team captain say that? I do think that that, that message of support and that message of, hey, like you are attacking a child, and this is definitely morally um, wrong, um, to attack a child regardless of their gender identity and, and transgender um, ness I suppose um, that that message of support along with that message of like general morality um, it really did um, I wasn't exactly there but hearing it now it does mean a lot to me um, I think that 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 support coming from my team captain who is basically in control of my um of my my uh my place on the team and understanding like i'm supposed to be there and that i was where i was supposed to be is really impactful for me 100 percent. we turn now to dana kaplan the executive director of Outright Vermont, an advocacy and support group for queer and trans youth. Dana, I wonder if you could put Rabbit's story in the larger context of what you see happening for transgender youth, both in Vermont and nationally. Sure, yeah, thanks Thanks for having us here, David. Um, I, I think that so much of Rabbit's story is absolutely mirrors what is happening across the country and here in Vermont. There is a continuous barrage of messages that are targeting queer and trans young people, telling them that they are not valued, that they're not cared for, that they're not allowed to exist, that they're not allowed to access their joy and really typical things that all young people need to be able to do to develop self-confidence, to um, you know, thrive in terms of physical education, like who doesn't want to belong to a team and um, get to do really normative things like play volleyball, like sit in a math class and have your identity accurately reflected to you. The truth of the matter is that we know both here in Vermont and across the country that there has been an increase and 
sort of nationally coordinated attempt to make trans people go away, essentially, to make trans people not exist. And um, there has been an incredible uprise in the level of extreme violence and targeted hate towards trans folks. We see it happening through anti-trans bills that are being introduced that are trying to keep young people from accessing life-saving gender-affirming care. We see it in the many bills that are being introduced to try and keep people from playing sports um, in ways that align with their gender identity. Um, and, and all of it works to create a, a culture where young people who are just trying to live um, are, are not being given the chance to do that. Talk about some of the stresses and impacts on trans and queer youth in terms of uh, suicide and other things that are going on for them. Sure. So we know that the strongest indication of a person's ability to live is their internal sense of belonging. And when you look around and you don't see anybody who mirrors your identity and you don't have the language to put to the words that say, oh, this, this is me, this clicks, this makes sense, this is an option for who I get to be, or my history is being taught back to me in class, um, people are oftentimes robbed of the opportunity to see themselves reflected in the world and to know that they matter. And that is a huge part of what Outright is trying to do. Um, for folks across Vermont, whether that be youth or families or school systems, um, is to help to shift the narrative that there is a beautiful and complex history of um, queer and trans community members that have been here and that will continue to be here. We exist um, where, where worlds of possibilities are open to, to us to be able to see a, a, a future that includes us and that's that's beautiful. Um, we know that here in Vermont, according to the YRBS data, that when we look at LGBTQ youth that across every risk category, we see disparities compared to their heterosexual and cisgender teens. So um, LGBTQ youth are twice as likely to be bullied than their peers, um, three times more likely to skip school because they don't feel safe at school or on the way to school. Um, four times more likely to have created a suicide plan and, and five times more likely to have attempted suicide. And this is here in Vermont as recent as 2019. Um, and we know that it has only gotten worse and that the national rhetoric has gotten much more extreme and intense and violent. Obviously we're coming off of the tragedy of Colorado uh, Springs Club, Club Q and um, the, the horrific shooting that happened there. We know about Rabbit's story because of, you know, what can only be described as a very irresponsible uh, piece of journalism that aired uh, on WCAX that kind of brought to the forefront all this uh, hatred and pushback. But you're hearing about things that don't make the news that are everyday occurrences in communities. I wonder if you can kind of pull back the curtain a little on what you know is going on in around Vermont. You know, in sure. I mean, queer I, and trans I, youth. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that it's, um, I think that Rabbit's story is is one story and it is not a new story. So like I said earlier, we have to connect the dots and think about the national context of what's happening. And when we see these very specific campaigns to try and diminish um, the rights of young people to live their lives, and we see that particularly happening around gender affirming care, we see that happening with sports. So um, we have had many phone calls from young people, from school administrators who are trying to show up in support of students who are trying to just be able to play whatever the sport may be um, and, and being, being told that they can't or running up against the challenge of, of what that looks like or being given sort of subpar accommodations that don't actually work and that 
that create further isolation for that young person. For example, you can't change in the girl's bathroom, but you can change in this gender neutral bathroom that's tucked away in the teacher's hall that's five minutes across campus on the other side. Um, the, the, the daily experiences of sort of being othered happen across Vermont, you know? Um, when we look at families who've contacted us because they've hung a Black Lives Matter flag or a Rainbow Pride flag and been targeted in their very house in their very small towns and communities and had those flags taken down. Um, verbal harassment, physical harassment. I mean, these are things that are happening on a daily basis here in Vermont and young people are having to face the impact of not only that level of vitriol that's coming at them, but in an isolated and rural space where it can be very difficult to access supportive adults or supportive peers um, to be able to have a landing spot of a community who cares. And we know that that makes all of the difference. Why now? Why do you think this is happening now um, is there an increase in this kind of backlash against queer and trans youth, or is this just the norm and uh, we're hearing more about it now? What is your sense? I think that many things are true, David. Um, I, I think that since trans people have existed and challenged people's notion of gender, which we all have gender, and our notion of gender runs so deep and is so prescriptive everywhere we look and in everything we do, and reinforced by the systems that are around us. Um, I think that to be a trans person is to create a sense of a different way of being, and that that makes people very uncomfortable who just want to have a rule book and sort of be in a box. This is how you're supposed to do it. So in, in, in essence, just by existing in a way that is different than what sort of the majority expects, it creates a level of, of discomfort. Um, and it is that same sort of authentic self that is just so, so beautiful. There is not one way we have to be. And you can like, any color that you want to like and you can express your gender in a variety of ways and you can play the games that make sense for you to play like none of us should be robbed of the ability to be our authentic complex selves and so i think that there is that piece that is true which is that to be trans to be queer you have always been targeted we have always been targeted and i think that it is incredibly important for us not to miss the fact that these are not isolated incidents. This rabbit is one story and there are hundreds more stories both here in Vermont and across our country. I mean, you don't need to go farther than any newspaper to see this hyper focus on trans people and our existence. I mean, it's just, it is an escalating nationwide pattern of hate-based violence and it's targeting queer and trans people and it's targeting folks of color and there are white right-wing politicians across the country who are essentially basing campaigns on the ideas that we are threats um, and they're promising to decimate our, our rights. Um, so, so we're seeing the fallout and we see the fallout on a daily basis, basis. It creates a culture where people feel emboldened to spread hate. Rabbit, you uh, you wanted to add something to that? Yes, my answers. Uh, my answer was just going to be a simple. It's been happening. You asked, why is this happening now? And that was going to be my answer. Um, that it's been happening, and and it always has been happening, ever since the dawn of queer people due to the otherization and the bigotry that is surrounding the queer community ever since, I don't know, ever since you can possibly trace back to queer people. We are different and we are made out to be different in, in some sort of way, like sexuality, it's not normal. Um, and like gender identity, it's not normal to be outside of the norm that was set hundreds of hundreds of years ago by cis hetero you know folks 
And what are they to say? What is their doctrine, hundreds of years old doctrine, to say how we can express ourselves in the modern day? Because we we have technology, we have like we have social media, we have uh, phones, we have personal computers in our pockets that can give us information of the Library of Alexandria at our fingertips. Who is to say that right now we still have to conform to a 100-year-old, 100s, hundreds of years old ideology of like, this is what this is, and this is what this is. Why can we not break that mold now? And why haven't we been able to break that mold for 30, 45, 40, 50 years? Rabbit, what? makes you in this moment we're two months out from this incident with you know your story being splashed across the news um what makes you feel safe and respected and accepted safe respected and accepted i suppose all three of those can follow can just can fit under one or two answers and so the first of those, to me, of course, this is subjective. This is a subjective view on what makes me feel safe, respected, and accepted. Um, simply respecting my name and my pronouns and my, my right to be what I am. I think that's making me feel safe, respected, and accepted. And the second of those would be if you, if you don't understand, if you, are, if you are ignorant of the trans community and the LGBTQ community at large and like just very basically transgenderism and like being gay, if you are unfamiliar with those concepts, going out there and researching and learning about those things from reputable sources and like understanding and being educated on those things is definitely going to make me personally feel safer, res more respected, and more accepted. When someone actually understands what my identity means and what my sexuality means and what my gender identity means, when someone goes out of their way to understand those things, that definitely makes me feel more respected and more accepted as what I am. Do you feel that you can remain and feel accepted and, and safe and respected at Randolph Union High School? There will always be people that are going to hate me. There will always be people that are going to hate me due to me being transgender and due to my my sexuality and due to my identity in general. So I can never say that I will be fully safe at those um, at those establishments and in, in the world due to me just existing. As Dana had had said, there is a global scale attack on the transgender and queer communities. Um, and it's definitely coordinated and it's definitely like it's it's like there are murders happening and there are there are just coordinated attacks happening all over the globe and like in my isolated experience at randolph union high school even then um i can't fully feel safe because there will always be people out there such as those people on that global scale attacking my communities and the communities rather the communities that i'm a part of um I can't fully say that I'll be safe there. However, however, the administrators of that school being the co-principals and the, um, I forgot what that, what, oh, the um, supervisor or the um, whatever. Hmm? The superintendent. The superintendent, yes. The superintendent and the co-principals have worked very hard to provide a safe space for um, for the communities that I'm a part of, the queer community and the transgender community. Um, and I, I admire their work that they have been doing. 
Um, though, again, I cannot say that I will ever be fully safe due to people around me just not not exactly liking me and not understanding what it's what it is to be transgender and not understanding what it is to um to be gay and stuff like that um there will always be people around me that won't understand and that inherently makes them dangerous to me though in in randolph i do admire the um the effort that is being put into making the school a safer place. I can understand that. And I can also understand that I won't ever fully be safe due to my queerness. I want to bring into the conversation now, Charlie, who is a 17 year old senior at the Rock Point School in Burlington. Uh, Charlie is a Minnesota native. Um, Charlie, welcome to the Vermont conversation. Hi. You're somebody who came to Burlington from Minnesota uh, to attend high school here. What brought you and made you decide you wanted to attend high school in Vermont rather than where your family is in Minnesota? Actually, it was a lot of things. Um, When I came out, uh, I was going to a school that was kind of large, but it was in a small town and the community in that school just was not accepting at all towards my gender. You know, there was a very much of like a understanding that if you were trans, you're going to be different and you're not really allowed to like be normal. It's not necessarily that we were targeted by specific people. We were just ignored and it felt lonely and isolating. And um, I started to struggle a lot with my mental health um, to the point where I was actually hospitalized. And my parents found me this school in Rock Point, it's called, it's in Vermont. Um, It's a very small school and it's non-traditional. And here I've been able to experience a community that accepts me and sees me as who I am. And it's become something that's really important to me. It's amazing to, you know, have my name respected and to do normal things in a community that helps me. Like I play sports now. I was never able to play sports before because I was a girl. And I say that in quotes, I was a girl. And uh, they, they just, I don't know. I, it wasn't a thing that girls did where I, I used to live. What um, sports do you play? I skateboard and I snowboard, um, and I played a little bit of basketball at one point, but not really anymore, but I'm more of a, a individual skateboarder now. <laughs> what is the difference, you know, you've talked about how it would make you feel to be in a place where you felt there was hostility or disrespect directed at you. What is it like for you just physically, uh, you know, your your whole body feeling of being in a place where you don't have that sense, where you feel accepted? I mean, it's safer. I, I feel at peace and calm and content. I know that when I leave my room or when I go outside, I'm not going to get yelled at and nobody's going to disrespect who I am. Like, because I would go outside whenever I left my house, I would be called, you know, her, she, um, it before and it made me feel unsafe because my gender is something that's so core to my identity that it's just wrong to be called something other than that what's right um and it felt like I was always on edge I think Hmm. what are you what are your hopes and dreams for your future Charlie My hopes and dreams, well, um, I'm a senior in high school and I'm applying to colleges now. I'm actually looking at law school after I go to college. Um, I've been, I'm involved with Outright. I have an internship there um, and I've been doing a lot of work helping GSAs set up around Vermont and um, helping to provide resources and gender affirming garments for trans youth in Vermont. And it's showed me that I can use my past experiences of um, discomfort and 
not being respected and I can direct my anger at that towards something that is positive. Like I am helping build a community in Vermont that supports people who are like me and I'm not in a bad place anymore. I'm in a hopeful place and that's pretty wonderful. Rabbit, I want to give you the last word here as we're wrapping up. What are your hopes and dreams for your future? My hopes and dreams for my future, I would, I would say to definitely, I want to, just relating to this conversation, I want to be able to, similarly to what Charlie is doing, um, I want to be able to help the trans community, um, not only on a state scale like Vermont, but on a United States scale, on a nation scale. I want to be able to go out there and kind of just say, I'm trans, I am here. And like for any of, for any of the trans youth out there, and for any of the just even the even the non-youth trans people the older trans people i just want to i just want to be a part of the a part of that community that is like i am out here i am willing to show myself regardless of everything and i want you to as well i my hopes and dreams are to show people that they can just be who they are and that they don't need the approval of others or the approval of even even their family members. They just need to be who they are. You just need to be you. That's my hope and dream for everyone out there and for trans youth and in the queer community on a on a nationwide scale, on a global scale, to just understand that you are you and nothing else nobody else can change that well rabbit and charlie i want to thank you both for your courage and your eloquence in sharing your stories uh, you. and dana thanks so much for joining us as well <laughs>